Good morning. So, uh, just an extra thanks to Donovan for leading us. This is his last Sunday for a while. He, he may be back uh, in August. He said he has a couple free dates in August, but uh, so thank you uh, for, for just being willing to come and uh, help us during this time. Also, if you, uh, Cassie, I think you have some, a table outside with some stuff. If you want a card, if you are interested more, to hear more about Cassie's ministry, maybe get her prayer letter and pray for her, maybe uh, even join her support team, uh, be partner with her in ministry, I'm sure she'd like to talk to you in the foyer. Foyer? One of those things, one of those places. It's right past those doors there, so... So great. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Today we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 19, and I'm going to begin by reading those. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, before we get to these verses, I want to give you a heads up about the next uh, three weeks. Tomorrow, Christina, my wife and I, uh, start a major three-week road trip. We're driving to uh, this place called Wolf Lodge in Arizona, where we'll spend some days with our grandsons and their parents can come too. And then we're heading for Missouri to visit our granddaughter and their parents, her parents. Plus, we have a family reunion in Nebraska, so I'm going to be putting a lot of miles on my my hybrid. I'm glad I got a hybrid after this and the gas prices and stuff. I'll be gone for the next uh, two weeks, and I won't be preaching for the next three weeks. Next week, uh, June 27th, Sean will bring the message. And just so you know, uh, heads up, Emily's going to be back with us for three weeks, June 27th, July 4th, and July 11th. But Sean is preaching on June 27th, and then July 4th and July 11th, we're going to have a guest preacher. His name is Brian Morris. And he's in the process of applying for the job, the ministry of becoming the pastor of Bridges Church. So, I'd encourage you, if at all possible, uh, to be here at church for the next three weeks. Next week to support Sean. Woohoo! And then on July 4th and 11th to hear Brian preach and to meet him and his family. This is especially important for members uh, because if the Uh, Transitional leadership team and the elders recommend Brian for the position of pastor. You'll be asked to vote whether to confirm him or not. So as much information as you can get is good. So, okay, so that's the next three weeks. Now, today is Father's Day. uh, And so I thought I might, uh, you might like a a nice father-son story to begin with. A a little father-son parable, if you will. And like many of my stories, this one is based on a true story. There was once a father who, along with his wife, had recently given their lives to Jesus. 
And because of that, they decided to move themselves and their two sons away from their former uh, sinful lives in the big city of Long Beach to the rural area of Riverside, 1975, 76, uh, Woodcrest even. However, there was a problem. The father worked for an oil company uh, near Long Beach, and in order to take care of his family, he couldn't afford to quit. So he decided to sacrifice and commute, not as many cars, but smaller lanes and still traffic from Riverside to Long Beach and back every day. Now, one day, a few years after the family had moved, after commuting for an a while, the father and his eldest son were stuck in traffic while driving from Riverside to Long Beach on the 91 freeway. And at some point, the son looked at his father and said something like this, this is crazy. Anyone who would choose to drive in this kind of traffic every day is just stupid. Lucky for me, the son, (laughs) my father had given his life to Jesus and didn't smack me Because I clearly didn't understand, I didn't appreciate, I didn't value the sacrifice he had made and was still making uh, for our family. I do now. Uh, Thanks, Dad, and happy Father's Day. Now, I tell this uh, touching story, right? Uh, Not just to honor my father and show my insensitivity, but to illustrate that as children, we don't always value the sacrifices our, our parents make, right? Uh, And even uh, more importantly, as Christians, we don't always value the sacrifice our God and our our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, made for us. And in our passage today, we're going to see the importance of valuing that sacrifice, the sacrifice that Christ made for each one of us. In fact, Peter's going to tell us that we're to fear not valuing that sacrifice. So, so that's where we're headed. But before we get there, let me, let me give uh, uh, you the context for which we find the verses that we read in, give you a quick, quick review of what we've seen so far in 1 Peter. In the first 12 verses, Peter gives, uh, gives words of encouragement to elect exiles, to those chosen by God, but who are still living in this fallen world. Peter wants Christians, both then and now, to rejoice and experience gratitude for all God has done and will do for them, for us. We're to rejoice in our election, in our new birth, in our sanctification, in our eternal inheritance, in our hope in the future grace of God, and even, our, even in our trials that refine our faith. So Peter begins by encouraging us to rejoice in what God has done and will do for us. Then in verses 13 through uh, 21, we still haven't got to 21 yet. It's sort of an extension, and we'll get to it when I get back in a few weeks. But he gives three commands. This is how those who are elect, chosen by God, are to live as exiles in this world. This is like the temporary, this is how you live until you go home. And we've been looking at these commands over the past three weeks. The first command found in verse 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, you know, has to do with your mind. 
get the right input in the mind, then set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope fully on God's future grace or live in hope. Second command found in verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Be holy as God is holy, or live in holiness. And last week, we began to look at the third command found in verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Conduct yourselves with fear. Live in fear. Now, if you remember, last week... My plan was to cover verses 17 through 19, but I decided that it was too much. And so we focused only on the the first part. In this this command, we have a reason for the command before it and after it, and so we just focused on the before, which I think was a good decision. But as I began to prepare today's message, I realized there was a little bit of a problem That is, to really understand what's going to come next in verses 18 and 19, you probably need to hear most of what we covered last week. It was was a setup in a lot of ways. So, for those who didn't hear or didn't quite get it, grasp last week's message, I'd encourage you, if what you hear today doesn't sit well, not able to uh, grasp it, go online, Listen or watch last, week, last week's message. It may help. It provides a lot of background for what we're going to do today. That being said, I will give a brief summary of what we covered last week. I began by acknowledging that the idea, this command of conducting ourselves with fear uh, or living in fear is not what we Christians normally think about. It's not comfortable. It doesn't sit quite well. And I asked, and I continue to ask, that we not dismiss it or rationalize it, but that we allow the text to speak. We allow the Word of God to say what it means to say. Because maturing as a Christian often comes by embracing uh, teachings that we're not comfortable with. Now, the main reason this command is uncomfortable and difficult to grasp is the meaning of this word fear, which we talked about. In the Greek, it's the word phobos, or we get our word phobia, and we often try and soften its meaning, I think, by defining it merely as reverence or awe. However, its primary meaning is fear or dread or even terror, that which strikes terror. So Peter is saying, he's commanding that throughout your time of your exile, uh, during the time you live on earth, your earthly lifetime, you're to conduct yourselves with fear, with terror, with dread, which certainly implies that there's something to be afraid of. And so we looked at the text to see what Peter says we're to fear. What should cause us to conduct ourselves with fear? And we saw In verses 17 and 19, Peter gives two things to fear, two reasons to conduct ourselves with fear. We covered the first last week. We are to fear receiving God's judgment for our sin, your sin, my sin. Notice that I added, for your sin. I think that makes it uh, clearer. 
In verse 17, again we read, And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, God will judge your deeds, uh, whatever they are, good or bad, righteous or sinful. That's the, the truth. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Again, notice the judgment is in the context of, of family, father and child. It's a family judgment. This has to do with our relationship with God. This isn't talking about uh, the, 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 eternal, the, the final judgment for those that don't believe or they're cast into hell. If you're a child of God, you need not fear eternal separation from Him. Your sin does not cause your heavenly Father to disown you or to reject you. However, you are to fear His impartial judgments. You are to fear His displeasure with your disobedience, your sin. Our Heavenly Father cares about and will judge our deeds. He does that in this life. He disciplines, He reproves, He chastises. Remember that word meant uh, flog or scourge, literally. Those He loves. And he will also, uh, we will also be judged in the life to come. On that day of judgment... Our Father will judge our deeds. Now, because we're His children, because we've trusted in Christ and His righteousness, we will be saved. But we will still be judged for what we do, what we don't do. Let me again read, I think, one of the clearest statements of this fact. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, writing to the church, says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. On that final day, God, Christ, will judge our deeds. He will judge what is done in the body, whether it's good or evil, whether righteous or sinful. And out of that judgment, we will receive what is due. What he deems as due. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, we read it last week, we won't read the whole thing again, some will receive rewards and some will suffer loss, even though they will be saved. So as we live, as we walk this earth, remember that our deeds are being judged and will be judged by our Father in heaven, by the righteous judge. And therefore, we should conduct ourselves with fear of doing evil deeds, of sinning, of stepping outside of God's plan, His purposes, His will for us. We should be afraid of sinning against God and receiving His judgments. And that's basically where we ended last week. Now today, we come to verses 18 and 19 where we find the second thing to, to fear. And that is, Fear devaluing Christ's sacrifice by your sin. On a personal note, I, I pretty much understood the first reason to fear uh, uh, even before studying 1 Peter. I knew that one day I'd heard, the, I'd heard messages, I'd read the Bible. I knew that one day I would stand before God and be judged for my deeds in my life. I knew I was saved by grace through faith, but there's still a judgment. I knew that was coming, and that certainly caused me to conduct myself with fear of facing the judgment of my Heavenly Father for my sin. In the same way, 
uh, when I, as a child, did something wrong, I was in fear of facing the judgment of my earthly father. It's, it's, it's very similar. I didn't fear him uh, casting me out of the family. I just feared the, 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 the displeasure, the punishment of my father. But when it comes to this uh, second thing we fear, to fear, the second reason to conduct myself with fear, uh, I'll be honest, I hadn't thought much about this. Like uh, my insensitivity to my father's sacrifice of spending hours in traffic for me, I was at times insensitive and therefore devalued the sacrifice that Christ made for me. So I want you to know that this passage, what we're about to cover, has affected me deeply. It has caused me in a new way to conduct myself with fear, and I pray it does the same for you. Let me read verses 17 through 19 again. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So what does that mean? Peter gives a command to conduct yourselves with fear. To live based on fear of something. And then he follows it with something we're to know. Something we're to understand with our minds. Maybe even into our hearts. The pattern here is command. Here's a command. And then here's what you know. For example, if you were uh, to command your child... Put some sunscreen on, knowing you're going outside and it's very hot. What you mean is put some sunscreen, sunscreen on because you know you're going outside and it's very hot. What you know is the basis for the command, the reason for the command. So Peter is saying, conduct yourselves in fear, knowing that you were ransomed, not with a small temporary values like silver or gold, but with an infinite, eter eternal value. Something of infinite, eternal value, the blood of Jesus Christ. Put simply, conduct yourself with fear because of the infinite value of Christ's sacrifice for you. The basis of conducting yourself with fear is the infinite value of Christ's sacrifice. Does that make sense? Well... If it doesn't, that's okay. It's a little hard to grasp. It's not one of those standard themes of Christianity. I couldn't think of any songs about fearing, uh, fearing because of the sacrifice of Christ. Normally, we hear things like uh, love and serve Christ, knowing of his great sacrifice for you, or love and serve Christ because of his great sacrifice for you, which is certainly valid. But we don't hear, I've never heard, conduct yourselves with fear. Live in fear because of Christ's great sacrifice for you. Fear doesn't seem like the right response to Christ's sacrifice. Love, yes. Service, yes. Gratitude, yes. Rejoicing, yes. But fear, uh, not so much. But that's what Peter, inspired by uh, the Spirit of God, is saying. Based on Christ's sacrifice for you to Conduct yourself with fear. And this is why I didn't want to cover this at the end of the message last week, because this isn't easy to get hold of. So I'd encourage you, if you're not, to 
Wake up a little bit. Pay attention. See what God, through His Word, is saying to you. Like all Scripture, we need to take this seriously. Even though it's difficult, even though it might be uncomfortable, we need to understand what what Peter means as best we can through prayer, through study, through the illumination of the Spirit. And once we come to some under, that understanding, we need to apply, we need to incorporate this difficult command in our, into our daily lives. And to do that, we need to answer this question. Why, would, why should knowing the value of your ransom, Christ's blood sacrifice, cause us to be, uh, cause us, be, based, be a basis for us to conduct ourselves with fear? Why is the value of Christ's sacrifice the basis for us to conduct ourselves in a fearful way? Well, let's examine the passage a little closer and see if we can find an answer. As I've said, Peter is proclaiming the great value of Christ's sacrifice, the ransom paid for God's people, the the death of Jesus Christ, His broken body, His shed blood on the cross, the great value of that. He says that gold and silver are perishable. You know, maybe the things we value most, the, the, the gold standard, it won't last. And he says that the blood of Christ is precious, it's infinitely valuable. So he's stressing that the ransom paid for your sins, for your life, to purchase you and me is permanent and it's precious. It will last forever, and it's infinitely valuable. And connecting that to verse 17, Peter seems to be saying, we are to conduct ourselves with fear based on the preciousness and the permanence of the ransom we have received. Now you'd think that it might be the opposite, right? The more precious and permanent the ransom paid on our behalf, the less we need to fear. For example, let me give an imperfect illustration, as most are. If you offered to purchase a piece of land valued at $100,000 for a million dollars in gold, you would not have much to fear of your offer being rejected, right? But if you were to offer to trade your baseball card collection valued at $100 for the same piece of land, you have every reason to fear that your offer would be rejected. So this sort of illustrates the fact that the more precious, the more permanent the ransom, the purchase price is, the less we need to fear. And in one sense, that is certainly true with regards to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ is infinitely valuable sacrifice does alleviate our greatest fear. Paul makes this clear. Romans 8, chapter, uh, verses 33 and 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Christ Jesus is the one who paid this infinitely precious and permanent ransom. Paul is certainly saying that because of Christ's great sacrifice, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear from the charge that we are sinners, unworthy of salvation. Because Jesus Christ died in our place, therefore we are justified. We are declared righteous before God. Therefore, as Paul wrote in verse 1 of chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
we need not fear condemnation because of the infinite value and permanent nature of the ransom Christ paid for us. If, if, if the death of Jesus Christ had some expiration date, we would have a lot to fear. But it doesn't. It's permanent. And it's precious. So when Peter says we're to conduct ourselves with fear, he doesn't mean we're to fear being condemned as a sinner or fear being rejected by our Heavenly Father. But he does mean something. So what does he mean? Well, it seems to me, after much thought, study, prayer, reading, that Peter means fear conducting yourself as though the ransom which was paid for you is not precious, or fear devaluing the precious sacrifice that Christ made for you. Fear taking Christ's sacrifice for granted. Fear living, conducting yourself as if Christ's sacrifice is not valuable or powerful. Again, Peter's not talking about uh, fear related to our salvation. He's talking about fear related to our sanctification, our maturity in Christ, our deeds, whether uh, what we do is good or evil, sinful or righteous. We see that in verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Peter's saying that the, the purpose of the ransom that Christ paid is to rescue you from your futile, the futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. To rescue you from the, the way you were. From who you were when you practiced the sins of humanity, of those that came before you and passed down to you. Or put simply, you were ransomed from, the, uh, from your sinful practices. The purpose of the ransom in this verse, so just to be clear, the ransom paid for your sin forever before God. You're declared righteous for God before God. But the purpose Peter's talking about in this verse is not salvation, but transformation. The purpose is victory over the power of your former sin, the sin of your everyday life, not forgiveness from the guilt of sin, which also the ransom paid for. Here's the point. Jesus not only shed his precious blood to provide us with salvation, the free gift of eternal life, his precious blood also provides us with sanctification, transformation in this life. His blood provides us with everything we need to overcome the practices of sin in our lives. To Titus, Paul wrote, Our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own purpose who are zealous for good works. That's not just talking about eternal life. That's talking about right here and now. How the blood of Christ transforms us now. The reason Jesus gave himself for us was not just to redeem us from the effects of our sin that we might receive eternal life, but also to redeem us from our sinful practices. Those futile ways inherited from our forefathers. He he, he redeemed us to make us zealous for good works. To do good and not to do evil. Or put simply... In terms of the Bridges mission statement, which we find sort of summarized up here, Jesus paid our ransom 
to bring about renewal in our lives, to bring about Christ-centered change in our lives. So when Peter says, conduct yourselves with fear, knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, he means fear conducting yourself in ways that devalue the sacrificial blood of Christ. Fear conducting yourself in ways that shows that Christ's sacrifice is not precious to you. That it doesn't matter to you. That it's unimportant to you. Put simply, fear practicing sin. Because by your sin, you devalue the sacrifice of Christ. Let me summarize it this way. I'm trying to say this in a bunch of different ways. Maybe, maybe one will click. As Christians, our greatest fear has been removed. If you're trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and you have a deep assurance of your eternal salvation and you're secure in the permanence and the infinite preciousness of the ransom Christ paid with His blood, amen, awesome, great. God wants you to be secure in your salvation. He wants you to know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Apostle John even wrote a letter to increase our security. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God does not want us, those who believe in His Son, to fear His rejection, to fear the loss of their salvation. He wants us to know we have eternal life, that we've been rescued from the uh, eternal death in hell. So because of Christ's sacrifice, our greatest fear has been removed. Hallelujah. That's what we, we're to get. Get that. But there's more. And knowing that, knowing of this great sacrifice that accomplished so much for us, we are to fear devaluing it by our sin. There is something to fear. That is allowing your assurance, no fear, no fear of hell, no fear of eternal death, allowing that assurance to justify your sin, to justify conduct that, that proves you don't think Christ's blood is infinitely valuable or powerful. God's purpose in the blood of Jesus is our justification salvation, and our sanctification, our pardon from sin, and our purity, our holiness, to bring back the second command Peter gives. They cannot be separated. We, we, we live to separate them often. That's the point Paul makes in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We talked about this a year ago. I don't know when. Romans chapter 6, a long time ago. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul in Romans already made clear that we are saved by grace through faith. And apparently, there were those who thought grace, having received grace, gave them the right to continue in sin. And Paul says, by no means, no way, Jose. Because by the blood of Christ, you died to sin. So how can you still live in it? How can you still continue in it? It's unthinkable 
because your salvation can't be separated from your sanctification. And what Peter is saying is that you should fear conducting yourself in such a way that tries to separate your salvation from your sanctification. If in your conduct, you're tempted to act as though the preciousness and the permanence of the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to save you by grace, but powerless to hold, back, hold you back from sin, then you, you need to fear. Let me state it plainly, I hope. If you're being tempted to sin, any sin, lying, stealing, cheating, coveting, lusting, hating, not loving God, not loving people, etc., fill in the blank, what's your greatest temptation? If you're being tempted to sin, and in your heart or your mind, somewhere you're thinking, well, ultimately it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I give in to this temptation because I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If you're thinking, if I go ahead and give in to this temptation and sin, no worries, because Christ died on the cross for me and by God's grace I will be forgiven. I can just pray for forgiveness. Confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. True. But if we're using that as a reason to sin, that, my friends, is devaluing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in at least two ways. First, it's saying that the sacrifice has no power to overcome uh, my sin. The, The sacrifice isn't doing anything in my life. And second, it's saying that what Christ did for you isn't worth enough to live in obedience to Him. His sacrifice is not worthy of you uh, sacrificing anything, including your sin. If that's how you're thinking, then be afraid. Be very afraid. Afraid of what? Well, I refer back to last week's message. We should fear our Father's judgment if, if, this life of, if, if in this life we're devaluing the sacrifice of His Son. And we should again fear standing before our Father and Christ on that final judgment day. We should fear standing before the one who gave his life for us. The one who shed his precious blood for us. The one who took on the wrath of God that we deserve. The one who rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. We should fear standing before him with our lives laid bare, our good and our what we've done in this life. We should fear Jesus saying to us, did you believe that I shed my precious blood for you? Yes, Lord. Did you believe that through my sacrifice, I not only provided for your salvation, but for your sanctification, for your holiness? Yes, Lord. Then why did you devalue my sacrifice by continuing to live for the things of this world? Why did you devalue my sacrifice by not living for the things of my Father and yours? Why did you so often choose to live for the pleasures of this life instead of living for the joy found in relationship with me? We should conduct ourselves in such a way that shows we're afraid of that. 
That is the last thing we want to do by our sin is devalue the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray for myself. I pray for each one of us. I pray that that we're terrified of living in such a way that devalues the precious, permanent sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I pray that that we live in fear of justifying our sin by thinking uh, Christ's sacrifice paid for it, so why not indulge in it? And because of that, I pray we conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile. That while we continue to live as exiles in this world, we will not use the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as an excuse to sin. But instead, we will hold Christ's sacrifice in such a high regard that it will drive us to a deeper love for Him and a greater desire to serve Him, a greater desire to obey Him, to follow after His purposes in this life. Would you pray with me to that end? Father God, give us, give us a healthy fear of not valuing what you've done for us. Or of thinking it's, uh, it's a license to sin even sometimes. Lord, help us to, to value it deeply. To know what it cost you. Lord, I pray you would be with us. I pray you would help us to conduct ourselves with fear, Father. Fear of standing before you. Our sins laid bare, knowing that we didn't value your sacrifice. I pray for myself. I pray for each person here that this word that Peter's given us Difficult to understand, Lord, that you would help us to apply it. You would help us, that it would cause us to walk with you in deeper ways. To love you in deeper ways because of your sacrifice. And to fear devaluing that sacrifice. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you're dismissed on this uh, Father's Day. Have a great Father's Day. And I'll see you in... Three weeks or so. I'll be here the 11th, but I'm not preaching, so I don't know how many weeks that is.